welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. For more information about our faith community, feel free to visit gatewaychurch.org.nz. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this message. Um, So far in our series, we've considered the challenge of atheism. Last week, we considered um, the challenge of feminism. And uh, this week, uh, as I say, I want you to consider with me the challenge of pluralism. Now, you've probably already noticed the words that uh, I have and will introduce to you in this series all have the suffix ism, ism, added to a root word. And when you add ism to a root word, it has the impact of changing it, sometimes quite radically. The meaning is changed by the addition of that suffix. So for example, human becomes humanism, two different things. Feminine becomes feminism two different things. Exhibition becomes exhibitionism. Moral becomes moralism. And those words are very, very different by virtue of that suffix that is added. In each case, the second word has very different connotations from the first as a result of that suffix. And the same is true with the word pluralism. Now, pluralism is derived from a root word, plural, and I'm sure you realize that that just simply means more than one. It it speaks of diversity. Pluralistic is a word that we use to describe a society that includes a diverse group of ethnicities, nationalities, religious beliefs, and so on. And the reality is that here in New Zealand, we presently live in such a pluralistic culture. And I would hope that most of us would affirm the worth and value of such a diverse culture. Pluralism, however, as an ideology is quite different from the pluralistic reality of the culture in which we live. Pluralism moves us from an entirely laudable and acceptable demand that we should respect the persons and beliefs of people different from us to a much more radical demand that we regard all ideas and all beliefs of equal weight as being equally valid and and true. Now, before I challenge that idea and and hopefully try and bring a little biblical shape to it, I would want to say that even when the word ism or the suffix ism is added to a word and changes the word and perhaps needs to be challenged and in some cases even rejected, whether it is feminism or pluralism or any other ism for that matter, what I would love you to see, however, is that... um, Often the motivation behind uh, the ism may need to be affirmed and endorsed. So I, I suspect behind the, idea, the ideology of pluralism are actually some ideas that are worth affirming and endorsing. For example, I think one of the basic motivations of pluralism is the idea that people are of equal value. I suspect that we have observed from history that disagreement about ideas, especially religious ones, can ultimately lead to people being devalued, which in turn results in intolerance and hatred and sometimes even violence, and we don't want that pattern to be repeated. So the idea of people having equal value is an idea that we would want to endorse and affirm. Secondly, I think laying underneath the foundations of an idea like pluralism is that people should be afforded equal opportunity. That there is a longing to see people treated fairly and justly. 
I think also there's a longing for loving cooperative communities. We want to be part of a community where people support each other and work together to create a community that enables all to flourish. These are laudable desires and longings that we would want to affirm and endorse. However, I think that pluralism as an ideology is mistaken in its assertion that in order to prevent disagreements that often lead to intolerance and possibly violence, we should not be permitted to make any exclusive, especially public and even more especially religious truth claims. So pluralism would say we need to be magnanimous and say, look, all views are equally valid, equally true. We must be tolerant of conflicting and even contradictory ideas. Now, that erase, it raises an immediate problem, and the immediate problem is that if everything is true, then nothing is true. If everything is true and nothing is untrue, then the word is absolutely emptied of meaning and coherence. In our culture, as you probably know, to disagree with anything or anybody, at least publicly, no matter how outrageous their claims may be, is regarded as being intolerant, bigoted, and phobic about something or somebody or some group of people. So we are told to be tolerant, but the reality is the concept of tolerance has undergone a subtle but significant shift in meaning over the last little while. Traditionally, tolerance meant accepting the existence of different views, recognizing the right of other people to hold and express those views without any attempt to suppress them. That has been traditionally the idea of tolerance. But currently, tolerance has changed, and now it means the acceptance of different views of other people. Not the acceptance that other views exist and people have the right to hold them, but it has become the acceptance of different views of other people. Now, the difference is subtle in form and massive in substance. And it's moved us from accepting the existence of differing beliefs, allowing the expression and practice of those beliefs, to a requirement that we acknowledge that all opinions, all views are equally true and equally valid. So essentially the basic premise of pluralism is all paths, all ideas, all beliefs are equally valid and true. And to question that or to suggest perhaps that someone's views might be wrong is misguided or um, perhaps even dangerous, most definitely bigoted, intolerant and arrogant. A sign at a university read, it is okay for you to think you are right, it is not okay for you to think somebody else is wrong. Now, I'm sorry, but it's logically incoherent, but, however, it, emotively, it actually powerfully presents the idea of pluralism and modern day tolerance. It's okay for you to think you're right, it is not okay for you to think other people are wrong. So pluralism, is an ideology that asserts that normative claims for truth need to be censured as imperialistic and divisive. What, what I would like to suggest to you as uh, believers is that we need to make a distinction between a tolerant spirit, as it were, and a tolerant mind. We could, can, should actually cultivate a, a tolerant spirit. 
where we seek to cultivate loving, respectful relationships with people who are different from us and who believe differently to us. A tolerant mind is very different. A tolerant mind that accepts all ideas as equally valid, including erroneous and dangerous ideas, is foolhardy. It lacks discernment and ultimately can prove to be quite disastrous. And I want to suggest to you that ideas and people need to be treated differently. The Catholic scholar Peter Kreft says this, in God's economy there is an egalitarianism that is an equality among human beings, each equal in essence and dignity, while on the other hand there is an, an elitism in ideas, meaning that not all ideas are equal. Common, common sense tells us not all ideas are equal. How many people here have had a stupid idea? Okay, all four of us. Some ideas are clearly superior to other ideas. To assert that is not a manifestation of bigoted intolerance, it's simply being clear-headed and discerning. For example, do we really believe that the genital mutilation of young Somali or Sudanese girls is a concept to which we should just shrug our shoulders and nonchalantly say, all ideas are of equal value? Do we really believe that a young Pakistani woman should have acid thrown in her face or worse, could be shot in the head for wanting an education? Is that something to which we simply say all ideas and all beliefs are equally valid and true? People are equal. However, to me, at least, it's obvious that ideas are not. Some ideas are mistaken. Some ideas are dangerous. Some ideas, in fact, may be wicked. There is a difference between the ideas and beliefs of Mother Teresa and Pol Pot. And if we can't see that or aren't allowed to say that, then our civilization is on a pathway to complete demise. In the face of such examples, by the way, pluralism usually shuffles and mumbles in embarrassment, but it really acknowledges that this must be the ultimate destination of such an ideology. Pluralism demands that we as Christians not be exclusive in the claims that we make. So for example, to say, as Jesus said, I am the way to the Father, there is no other way, becomes a bigoted, intolerant statement. Jesus cannot be, in a pluralistic society and, idea, and, and ideology, the only way to God. People in our culture, shaped as they are by pluralism, even if they don't know what it is, generally say that Christianity is one of the many ways that people can come to God. And you will have heard this said, as I have, all religions are basically the same. They are all pathways up the same mountain. We all believe in the universal fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. And, and it does have a certain attractiveness to us. It's magnanimous, it's inclusive, it's tolerant in terms of pluralistic ideas. However, it simply is not true. I mean, you don't have to do a study in religious, uh, you know, in religious studies at university. Just a cursory glance will tell you otherwise. It will tell you loud and clear. Different religious systems may be superficially similar, but they are profoundly, fundamentally different and, in fact, even contradictory. There is no way around this conclusion. 
To say that contradictory beliefs are both true is to make true a meaningless, incoherent concept. Listen, for those of you who have done any philosophy, you know that a basic principle of logic is the principle of non-contradiction. It states that something cannot be A and not A simultaneously. When you are simultaneously asserting that this proposition and that proposition, which are contradictory, are both true simultaneously, then I'm sorry, you've departed from coherence. You're talking nonsense. I I don't know why it is that the, the, the challenge or rather the charge of exclusivity is always laid at our door. It is always laid at the Christian church's door. Christianity is exclusive. I very rarely hear people say of Islam and charge it with being exclusive. And yet it is. It's theologically and even in fact linguistically exclusive. Muslims believe that the sole sufficient and consummate miracle of Islam is the Quran. They then go on to say, however, it's only recognizable in Arabic and therefore must be read in that language. The translation of the Quran into any other language, according to them, desacralizes it. I tell you, that gives a new definition to exclusivity. Hinduism is absolutely uncompromising and exclusive in a number of its doctrines. The laws of karma, the law of reincarnation, the authority of their scriptures. Buddhism was born out of a rejection of Hindu exclusivity and then quickly established its own. Even the Baha'i faith, which claims to be a cosmic embrace of all religion, ends up excluding the exclusivists. You might be thinking, well, better to reject them all and become an atheist. Yeah, why don't you do that? Because atheism is absolutely exclusive. (laughs) It claims that all who believe God, which, by the way, in our world is the majority of the earth's population by a proverbial country mile, atheism says you're all wrong. Exclusivity seems to be a difficult issue. And it is not just an issue that can be laid at the Christian's door. Ravi Zacharias tells an amusing story about this reality. He was teaching at a secular university when a a professor took him to task. The professor, who was, by the way, a Westerner, suggested that Ravi, who's an Easterner, born in India, didn't understand Eastern logic. The professor claimed that Ravi was limited in his thinking to either-or logic, which is Western logic, when he should be using the dialectic method of both-and logic, which is Eastern logic. And Ravi asked him this question. Are you saying that in order to get to the essence of religious claims, that you must use both-and logic and not either-or logic? Yes, said the professor enthusiastically. Well, Ravi Ravi then delivered the rather obvious killer blow. You are using either or logic to try and prove that you can only use both and logic. It's either or nothing. The The professor fell silent and rather sheepishly admitted that either or logic did tend to emerge in these kinds of discussions. And Ravi laughed and rather graciously added, Sir, even in the East, in India, you look both ways before crossing the road because it is either you or the bus. It cannot be both. You know what? Truth in any field is exclusive by definition. If it doesn't exclude, then no assertion of truth is actually being made. 
Anytime you assert something is true, you mean by implication that something contrary to it is not true. Truth excludes its opposite. So to say the earth is round is an exclusive statement because it rules out the possibility of the earth being flat. To say two plus two equals four is exclusive because it asserts that two plus two does not equal five and two plus two does not equal three. Listen, religion isn't any different than mathematics. It's not any different than sociology or chemistry. Truth is not arrogant. Now, tragically, people who proclaim truth sometimes can be. And I, and I suspect, to our shame, this is actually what people have reacted to, that believers have sometimes been arrogant in the way they convey truth, in the way that they've tried to share it. If you, if you reject the claims that someone makes based on the fact that they are proud and arrogant, you're, you're using what, what we call an ad hominem argument. And an ad hominem argument invalidates a proposition by attacking a person. And it's generally regarded as a very poor way to argue. So imagine, a medical researcher discovers a cure for cancer. Now suppose he or she is an absolute jerk and goes about boasting and claiming loudly that they deserve the Nobel Prize for their outstanding accomplishments. They disdain their colleagues. They refuse to acknowledge their input and assistance. They are arrogant and they are conceited. Would it be wise to reject the cure because of the flawed character? The truth claim is independent of the character of the person making the claim. And I'm not suggesting that that's an excuse for a lack of character on our part. There is nothing more winsome than a person whose character matches the truth they are proclaiming. And on the contrary, there is little more off-putting than someone proclaiming the truth that they are clearly not living. And that's the huge challenge you and I face as messengers. We believe that we do have truth. It's not an arrogant, bigoted claim. It can be proclaimed arrogantly. I, I think the call on us is to live with humility, to live under the touch of God's incredible mercy and grace, and to, to know that when we proclaim truth, we are simply one set of beggars telling another set of beggars where to get food. Okay, it's nothing, it's, 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 there's nothing arrogant about that. And I want to finish by saying that the claim that Christianity is exclusive and therefore arrogant and bigoted need not be a conversation stopper. Of course truth is exclusive. To claim Christianity is not true, as people readily do, is equally as exclusive. I don't think we have to be cowed by silly, unfounded, popularist jibes that actually have little weight or merit. There is the challenge of pluralism. Before we dismiss it out of hand, recognize that it's often guided by principles that we too would want to affirm. The equality of people, that people should be justly treated, that people long for loving, um, inclusive community where all people have the opportunity to cooperate and flourish. We want to put our hands up and say we believe that too. 
We're just not convinced that the, idealism, uh, the ideology of pluralism that tries to lower everything to the lowest common denominator is the way to get there. In actual fact, what we have to learn to do is to disagree civilly at times, not arrogantly or in a way that devalues people and ultimately can lead to violence, but that we can say with kindness and with grace, I don't agree with that. I believe that idea is wrong. And it's not being bigoted, it's not being intolerant, and it's not being phobic of anything or anybody. The challenge of pluralism. Thanks for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. Again, check out gatewaychurch.org.nz to find out what's going on within our church.